नमस्ते एंड हेलो एवरीवन वेलकम टू अनटोल्ड स्टोरीज विद मोनिका सीजन टू द हिस्टोरिकल जेम्स ऑफ इंडिया टुडेज एपिसोड इज अबाउट अ क्वीन ऑफ गोंडवाना व्हिच इज नाउ अ सेंट्रल पार्ट ऑफ इंडिया शी रूल समय बिटवीन 1550 टू 1564 द क्वालिटीज ऑफ हर आउटस्टैंडिंग स्टेट्समैनशिप एंड हर अनसरपासेबल करेज हैव बीन एन इंस्पिरेशन फॉर जनरेशंस टू कम सो हियर वी बिगिन रानी दुर्गावती The Legendary Queen of Gond Part 1 Rani Durgavati placed her sword and shield on the takht and raised her palm to send away the sipahis for privacy with her father King Kirit Rai Shalwan at Kalinjar Fort in Uttar Pradesh He may be a gond a tribal by birth but Dalpat Shah is a kshatriya by deeds His valor and political moves speak of his remarkable statesmanship He is the only king who has been able to keep the Mughals under control, checking their spread towards South India. He fiercely guards his territory, showing those invaders their place. I have also seen his knightly demeanor in many competitions. He impresses me. I see no better marriage match for myself, Baba Hukum. Durgavati tried to convince her father, as well as tactfully announced her decision to marry the ruler of Gondwana land. Dalpatsha King Kirit Rai standing before the life-size portrait of his late wife listened to his daughter simultaneously he recalled his wife's last words before her death she shall have her will to marry as per her choice raise her to be an independent rajput princess promise me you will allow her to choose her life partner Durgavati was only 5 years old when her mother died Her father had raised her as a competent warrior and a free-willed girl, well-versed with armory knowledge, horse riding, archery, and sword skills. Since her early years, she displayed an inclination towards learning military and political aspects of the empire. She often pestered her teachers to narrate and explain the political setup in the epic Mahabharat and Lanka Kanda of Ramayana. She would act stubbornly to accompany her father on hunting expeditions. He was always left surprised by her outstanding hunting strategy and marksman skills. She loved to hear him and being patted. You are a true Rajput. You know how to kill an enemy and how to save yourself. And now, despite raising her as an independent, free-spirited young woman, when she was proposing to marry somebody of her choice, a king from the Gond tribe, he wasn't in her favor. Just because he belonged to an inferior tribe. But soon, reminded of his promise to the dying wife, he gave in to his daughter's decision and nodded for the marriage. Marriage between a Rajput princess and a Gond ruler also announced a political alliance between the Rajputana and Gondwana dynasties. It was a remarkable move in the history of both the dynasties. Durgavati sat sat on the queen's throne beside Dalpat Shah. The latter's initial hesitation in accepting a Rajput queen soon disappeared by her warmth towards the locals. Dalpat Shah was mesmerized by the beauty of the rani and amazed by her intelligent views and opinion on socio-political affairs of the kingdom. They both romanticized the goals of resisting the Mughals who were rapidly spreading their empire across India. She absorbed everything from her husband on how to efficiently run an empire. Blissfully, the marriage bloomed and soon they were blessed with a son. 
Grand celebrations were held across the Gondwana lands at the birth of the heir. They named him Veer Narayan. Durgavati now became thoroughly engaged in raising a worthy son. Noticing her engrossed in her new phase of motherhood, Dalpat Shah would often mock her. It seems my beautiful Rani has lost herself to this emotional cherub. My heart and the courtroom miss you. Spare some time for us also. I'm beginning to get envious of him now. And they both would burst into laughter as their eyes filled with dreams of their son's future as the next ruler of a prosperous Gondwana empire. In the wee hours of one morning, Dalpat Shah was all dressed to leave for a hunting expedition. Durgavati came forward to hand him his sword. As she rested the sword in his hands, it lost balance and fell down with a thud. The hard metal noise echoed loudly in the hall. Dalpat Shah immediately lifted it and grazed it with a forehead touch. With a loving touch on Durgavati's head and Veer Narayan's cheek, he left. The bad omen of the swords dropping played at the back of her mind all day. It was late midnight. Durgavati restlessly paced in the chamber, for the Maharaj was never so late in his return. As she looked down through the charokha below, she saw that the mashals that were dimmed were now burning bright and many soldiers were running around. Just then, a maid and a minister barged in. Maharani, Maharaj has been injured badly. He lost his balance from the horse and fell into a hole in the forest. He's in the Arogya Shala. Come quick. Although a Kshatriya queen, Durgavati had never experienced this much fear in her life. Intuitively, she had already known what was coming. She rushed into the Shala and to her horror, saw that Dalpasha had collapsed with severe head injuries. She stayed in a state of shock for months. All that she repeated to herself was, Why do all my loved ones leave me so early? First mother and now him. As she looked at her toddler son Veer Narayan, her heart wept even more. She turned into a living corpse. One day, while she sat alone, looking distantly at the far lands, the royal ministers, Adhar Kayas and Man Thakur walked in. Maharani, there is an emergency that demands your attention. We are surrounded by Mughals from three sides. Our empty throne has become an available invitation for them. Our spies have brought in the news that Baz Bahadur of Malwa is soon planning an attack on us. The empty throne is inviting invaders, Maharani. Until our heir, Veer Narayan reaches a suitable age, you will have to take up the regency, and that too immediately. The news of Mughal's plan to usurp their land sent her blood boiling. For months, she was lost in her misery, unable to foresee the consequences the death of her husband had brought in. She left for her chamber without a word. Her anger flowed through her tears as she stood before Dalpat Shah's portrait. She stood there for a long time, as if preparing herself for a big leap. Without wasting any time, she announced herself as the regent. She dressed as a Maharani once again. This time, the persona spoke of a military regent. Her eyes stone hard and focused. She held Veer Narayan's hand and regally walked into the hall of ministers for addressing her court. As a first political move, she announced the shift of her capital from Singorgar Fort to Choragar Fort. 
The announcement sent the hall buzzing with confusion. She explained, "We shall shift to Choragar Fort for its highly strategic location. They shall also announce to our enemies that our land is not weak and vulnerable to any invasion." It's located over the hilltop amidst the dense Satpura forest, making it hard for any enemy to attack and conquer it. Also, we must immediately prepare our cavalry to meet Baz Bahadur's attack. I'm sure he's coming soon. Her political moves convinced the ministers and the Gondwana people of her astute ability as a ruler. In unison, they nodded in approval. The story will continue. In the coming episode, you will hear about Rani Durgavati's outstanding courage and military skills in facing the mighty army of Emperor Akbar. So until the next episode, stay beautiful, keep smiling and keep listening to Untold Stories with Monica.